order in the court. It's time for Understanding the Law Radio. Well, hi, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. I'm your host, Peter Lamont, along with my co-host, Brendan. Well, we're going to talk about something that's really interesting. And what is that? Premises liability in temporary structures. And you might say oh, I'm on yourself, the edge of my seat. Now, what are you talking about? Yeah, no, it's no, exciting. No. Now, hold, hold on before you click away. Okay. Okay, this is important and interesting. So temporary structures are like concert stages okay. and amusement park rides. And right. we're going to talk about liability. We're going to talk about waivers and signing waivers. And we're going to give mm-hmm. some examples. And you might say to yourself, Self, where did this topic come from? What made them decide that today is the day they're going to talk about this? <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and what is it from? Because you brought this story to yeah. my attention. I have a question. Do you watch Twitch? I, I don't. I don't. You don't have a favorite Twitch streamer? I do not. Well, for those of you who don't know, Twitch is a live streaming platform. It's an app. It's a website. You can go on it. You know, it's, it's kind of like YouTube, but solely for live streams. And similarly to YouTube, you know, YouTube has a convention called VidCon. Twitch has a convention every year called TwitchCon. And it's a it's at a huge stadium. You know, you can go meet some of your favorite Twitch streamers. There's, like, games and fun stuff to do, and there's panels and all that. And this year, there was a foam pit. Like in gymnastics? Like in gymnastics. Okay, hold on. I've got to interrupt. Oh, gosh. All right, so two things before we continue. All right. First thing, Twitch. I had a hockey parent once tell me that they were going to, during COVID, broadcast our, our hockey games. Yeah. And they insisted. That Twitch was the best platform for that sort of thing. Yeah. And I argued with them because Facebook Live at the time was much better than Twitch because Twitch is really more of a live stream gaming thing. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, is it really meant for live stream? And two years ago, was it? Yeah, I'm going to argue with you here. I don't want to be wrong. You know what? I don't want to be <laughs> the wrong. The biggest category on Twitch, the biggest category on Twitch is called just chatting. And it's real life people just talking to you. You know, really, the gaming aspect of it is only, you know, it's most known for its gaming. I but... refuse to be wrong, but okay. I will, I right. will acknowledge right. what you've said. And point two, it has nothing to do with Twitch. Point two is, what were you saying? Foam pit. Foam pit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Foam pit. So I'm going to tell you a story that I've not told you and. That all of our listeners have never heard. Yeah. This is like breaking news if it happened 40 years ago. All right. Okay. When I was younger, I want to say like maybe 10 or 12 or something like that, my mother signed me up for gymnastics. She was trying to help me improve my overall athletic skill. I was playing baseball and soccer, and, and she thought that this might be a good idea so it's like Mm -hmm. it was the precursor to crossfit okay so she signs me up for this gymnastics thing and lo and behold there's a foam pit probably very similar to the one at twitchcon all right okay well i'm not sure about that well yeah we'll get to that in a minute but there's this big foam pit yeah and it's it's actually super fun as a matter of fact i was at chelsea piers in connecticut the other day and they have a big foam pit and, and jump into it? I, I th- This is what brings <laughs> me back to this story. So 
it was uh, the rings. Yeah. You know, the rings that are suspended from the ceiling. Yeah. And, and okay, so I was on the rings and I was supposed to do this flippy thing and then let go and fall into the foam pit. Okay. But I apparently, I, I was, because I'm still not good with heights, but I was up there. I did my flippy thing. I'm holding on to the rings and then they're like, all right, let go. I was too afraid to let go. So I'm suspended by the rings. My grip is 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 giving way, right? My my <laughs> forearms are on fire. My little yeah. tiny 12-year-old fingers are, are are ripped to shreds. And the instructor is like, all right, all right, all right. He gets into the foam pit and then he says, Let go. So I did. And I fell on top of him, crushed him. I landed on his shoulders, pushed him under the oh foam. God. Right? Now I couldn't get out of the foam. <laughs> He couldn't get out of the foam. They had to call two people over to help me get off of him in the phone and oh then God. get us out of the foam. And that was the last day I ever took gymnastics class. It was too much of an embarrassment. <laughs> That's right. insane. Yes. So there was there was a if you didn't hear it here, you yeah. wouldn't have heard it anywhere else. That's and you're right. probably never gonna hear it again. That's right. So for all you listening to this podcast, bonus. All right, so getting back. So that to- was your super fun story about the foam pit, <laughs> and here's your super not fun story about the foam pit. So TwitchCon, I, I didn't know that. I just want to say I, I've never heard that story. That's I, very I told interesting. You. Told you. Uh, I think that's insane. Yep. Um, but I didn't get hurt. The, the instructor the, didn't get hurt. Nobody got I hurt. I was just super okay. embarrassed. So, but TwitchCon's a different story. TwitchCon's a different story. TwitchCon's foam pit is uh, actually an upsetting story, as a Twitch streamer. Jumped into the foam pit, breaking her back in two places. I saw the video of it happening. She's standing there. There's like a there's like a, a platform in the middle of it, and she's standing there. And people are clapping and cheering. And she jumped into the pit, and then she didn't get back up. And it turns out she broke her back in two places and needed to get surgery. Yeah, and and, and that's not the only person. There there's was another, another person. person. You're right. She jumped in and uh, injured her kneecap. Yeah. So. It's clear that the foam pit was not either up to regulation or, you know, was just flat out dangerous. Right. You know, wasn't that much of an actual foam pit. Yeah. And so that's what led to this episode, because how many times have you either, you know, with uh, a family member or a friend with your kids gone to a temporary amusement area or temporary mm-hmm. entertainment so a stage, let's say you go to, uh, you know, a, 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 I don't know, a concert that's that's out in uh, in a field and they erect this stage or whatever it might be. But there's tons of these things. Carnival rides. Yeah. Fairs. Yep. Things all over the place. So that's that's really what we were going to talk about today. And we're going to talk about it. So you understand the, the idea of what is, you know, premises liability. So things like outdoor music festivals, carnivals, state fairs. I mean, you all know that that outdoor music festivals, carnivals, state fairs are super popular. They're like tourist attractions. Yeah. And and hundreds of thousands of people attend these outdoor events every year. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you went to some kind of carnival when you were a kid. Oh, yeah. I, rem- I have a very... I have a very vague memory. and I'd like to share this it's one with you. It's a vague memory? It's a vague memory. But I remember... Okay, I'm just I'm just remembering this. It's all flooding back to me. The Meadowlands State Fair. Yeah. I was there as a little kid. And I remember a couple things. I remember being in a fun house 
I'm not I'm not sure about that one, but I remember specifically being in a tent. And it, inside this tent, there was a man who was stapling dollar bills to himself. And it was so upsetting and disgusting that I've never forgotten it for all these years. <laughs> and people were telling him to, you know, staple the dollar bills all over himself. I, I didn't go to that one, but I have seen that before where you get a performer that stands up there and you if you staple money to him, you... He gets that's to keep the money, and, and you get the, the pleasure of stapling. That's, that's so upsetting. I don't like that at all. If I wanted to staple a $100 bill to you, would you let me? Uh, no. <laughs> I, that's too upsetting. So, yeah, I've been to the fair before. Okay. So that, and, and I'll tell you a story, too. Another one. This, yeah, this is this has this this started <laughs> off as the serious injury, very upsetting. Bonus day. Yeah. Jeez. All right. Go ahead. So they, I, I remember going to this this. Uh, school carnival and I was probably in high school and I, and I had become quite muscular okay. pretty strong muscular okay. and they had these bullhorns on this machine so the goal was to take <laughs> the bullhorns and squeeze them in together to try uh -huh. to bring the horns together and to exert as much force as you could and then you'd get a score all right so me of course being the idiot that I am had to beat everybody. <laughs> not only do I not like being wrong, I don't like losing. So I get up there, and the first time, of course, I'm like, right, and it looks like, like the Incredible Hulk, and, yeah. and I get a high score. And then some man came, a man. Now, I was like a freshman in high school. A man came and beat me, so I had to beat him. And I did. I did. I squeezed so hard, I pushed those bullhorns together. But the next day I woke up, and I must have torn parts of my chest because my entire, from my shoulders across my chest, were purple, black, and blue. I, I must oh have ruptured God. something inside. I couldn't go to the gym for weeks. It was horrible. That's all because awful. of the carnival bull. No warning on that bull. But anyway, anyway, so I yeah, digress. To get, to get to the point here. Right. We talked about TwitchCon and the right. ball pit and how people right. injured themselves in so, said ball pit. So everybody goes to these carnivals and festivals. Yes. We all know it, right? And, mm -hmm. and you go there for a good time. You go there to have fun. You don't go there thinking that you're going to come home dead, paralyzed, or seriously injured, right? But yeah. unfortunately, it happens. And, and some of these events can actually be really dangerous if the event organizers can't get their stuff together. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's really what this comes down to. So, um, you know, really, we're going to look at some of the main risks here and, and kind of then go into some of the other stories that we have about uh, yeah. premises liability. But um, so, the, so my question to you, just can I ask you yeah. a question to start this off? Yeah. Do you think that the people, because I heard that the two people who were injured in TwitchCon's ball pit incident had signed a waiver so that they could not sue. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that waiver in one second. I just want to talk first about the risks that are associated okay. with temporary structures. All right. So these are the primary risks. And this, you know, you already identified some of them that you think might have caused the, the, uh, the ball pit incident. Mm -hmm. So poor design and inadequate engineering. That's one risk. Overloading a structure or poor supervision high winds or other weather conditions, unstable ground conditions, crowd movement or behavior, and unintended use. Those are really the main risks that are associated with temporary structures. Yeah. Now, you talked about 
you said it the ball pit might not have been put together or constructed properly. Right, that was what I thought based on the right. little I know. So poor design and inadequate engineering could be the risk that was associated with that mm-hmm. you know, thing. So now getting to your second question about liability waivers. Yes, we all sign liability waivers. You ever go to a baseball game? I've not, no. Football game? No. Basketball game? Mm, once when I was a very game. Little... Yeah, I've okay. been there. I've been there. Okay. Remember my my story uh, from a, a couple episodes ago about how I went there for the food. Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. Okay, okay. There so on the back of your ticket, there's always a waiver. You know, by attending this event, you assume all the risks. Blah blah blah. Right. Okay. And we took. I think we talked about this on another episode a while back with the sports. Uh, was it sports injuries or sports related lawsuits or something yeah. like that? Right. And I told you the story about the flying watch for flying pucks and yep. somebody had peeled off the P to make it an F. Yep. All right. So anyway, liability waiver. It, it's essentially a legal document that a business either asks a customer to sign or gives to them and says, here, here's your ticket. By taking this ticket, you're acknowledging the risk that. You know, you could be injured. You mm-hmm. could be hit in the head with a baseball. You could mm-hmm. be hit with a flying puck. You could, all these different things are, are out there and it could result in injury. So these temporary structures, these temporary events, they'll give you this waiver. And the question that you ask is, so what does that mean? Does that mean I can't sue? And it comes down to a few things. So first of all, liability waivers can be useful. For specific activities like zip lining or paintball or, or even large amusement park rides, um, just simply to say that look, you're you're at risk for using this, right? right? So if you're in a situation where let's say there's a zip line and the zip line weight limit is 200 pounds and you're 275. And you know you're 275, and you know the weight limit's 200 because it's adequately posted, and you get on that ride anyway, yeah. and you get injured. That liability waiver should protect the company because they, they posted a sign. They made you aware that it was a 200-pound weight limit. You knew you were 275. So in that sense, that liability waiver would work. Does that make sense? Right. So they work to protect against certain lawsuits okay but there are limitations right because this sounds like something else you know like if this dangerous ball pit was constructed poorly on twitch's part how could anyone sign a waiver saying exactly if you've screwed up i'll take the blame right like that's yep so so you've got that completely right if there is some kind of preventable error right Mm -hmm. either negligence on the part of an operator or a preventable mechanical error operator oversight any of those those types issues that can cause something to malfunction and somebody's injured as a result of it that's negligence and that's not going to be protected under that waiver so let's just just take one more example of something that would be covered under a waiver a customer with a heart condition ignores a warning about riding a roller coaster if you have a heart condition, right? You know, you've seen those signs. Don't ride this if you're afraid of heights. Don't ride this if you're, right. So don't ride this if you have any heart conditions. He does it anyway, and he has a heart attack on the ride and dies. In that instance, the waiver would protect the amusement park. However, if there is an operator who 
doesn't check everybody's seatbelt, for example, on that same roller coaster and somebody falls out. Now, that waiver is not going to protect you from your negligence. It, it, the waiver is essentially saying, look, you acknowledge that you can get hurt on this, but not because you're, you're, you shouldn't be expecting to get hurt because of somebody else's negligence. Right. You expect to get hurt because it's dangerous, like skydiving. You know how many waivers they make you sign when you skydive? Mm -hmm. Because it's arguably inherently dangerous. You're throwing yourself out of an airplane, and you're hoping that the parachute is going to save you. Right. So you're acknowledging the risk there, and you're saying, okay, dangerous. If I get killed on this, that's my own fault because I knew the risk. Yeah. But what if somebody improperly packs your parachute? There's a different story again, right? Because now that waiver wouldn't protect you. Does that all make sense? Yeah, completely. So a couple things. If you are a business that does set up these temporary structures, stages, and things like that, first of all, you got to really look at what your policy is with training your your staff, your employees, right? Because that's that's really important, how you train your your people. Right. You know, are they, you know, being properly advised as to how to make sure that seatbelts are locked or that the rides are being operated properly or that a stage you know can maintain a certain weight or that weather conditions aren't causing you know conditions that could 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 result in injury so you've got to look at yes your waiver but it's not enough you've got to look at what your training policy is you've got to make sure that you've inspected what it is that you've constructed that sort of thing so that that's really, you know, I think important for businesses and not just for businesses, but for event goers, right? Like be mindful of what you're doing because mm -hmm. just because there's a waiver doesn't mean that you can't sue them. But who wants to be worried about suing somebody after they jump into a pit and break their back? I'd rather not break my back in the first place. And I'm not saying that, that it's the Twitch streamers fault, right? but be aware that not everything that's out there even if other people are doing it, it's super safe. That I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, while I agree with what you're saying, I don't think there was any way of knowing because I, I think it was promoted to that you could jump in it. Like I think, I mean, that was the point of it. You know, it's a foam pit, and like you said, even even you were tempted to jump into the foam pit a couple weeks ago. Uh, yep. So I, I'm I'm more on the side of like completely believing that it's not. <clears throat> Not the streamer's fault. No, you know, no, I don't think it's the streamer's fault, but you can't tell me that if you've gone to an amusement park, not an amusement park, but like one of those at, at a school or something, and, and you, you see the kinds of people that are operating the rides, like the people that are not paying attention, that are sleeping well, in a chair, I mean, like, and you can see that they've just constructed that ride the day before. Haven't you looked at some of these things and said to yourself, that doesn't look safe? Have you? Yes, yes. No, you're you're correct. But that's more of like a common sense kind of thing rather than a, you know, legal thing. I I have more I I have more uh information about the ball pit. All right, the go foam ahead. pit, sorry. So, it was an uh exhibit run by Lenovo and Intel. And the exhibit invited attendees to battle one another by standing on one of two platforms suspended over the foam pit. Participants were asked to sign waivers and they could win by knocking their opponents off of the platforms using unwieldy foam noodles. The platforms were about two feet high, and the pit was about a foot deep. Okay, so Lenovo so, did not so, use its ThinkPad when creating this. Well, yeah, that's they? for sure. But So that, that's interesting, because 
because now it's I, I thought initially it was just a fight pit, but uh, that it was an exhibit. It was advertised, right? Like the point was to get knocked into the pit. Right. So it's not like it was just a decoration, like you know that's out there that someone no. decided to jump into. No, so if, it was if, a it was a an exhibit that they said, "Hey, come fight and throw someone in a pit." You know, you know what I'm saying? Like that was. Yeah, and you know what? You might say to yourself, "All right, well, if I got poked in the eye with the unwieldy noodle, right? I mean, right. could could I sue them for that? No, because you know that." Getting smacked in the face with an unwieldy noodle, right, might yeah. result in, in injury. But would you think that being knocked into the foam pit, which was supposed to catch you and, and prevent yeah. you from being injured, would result in injury? So it's it's likely some kind of engineering or design malfunction. Yeah. But now I, I, do, I do have to ask the question. I wonder what kind of waiver they had to sign because it wasn't just the TwitchCon waiver or a foam pit waiver. It was one specifically about fighting and falling in the foam pit. Yeah, but still, I mean, again, you, you can't say I'm going to... I understand that falling in a foam pit's dangerous. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but but can you say, hey, now you don't have to be careful with how you construct the pit? Something was right. in that pit. Something. Yeah. So... I mean, I think it was either too shallow or not enough Something. padding, you know? So yeah, I, I definitely think that it's not the Twitch streamers faults. Uh, my question is at the end of the day, do you think they'd be able to sue? Yeah. A hundred percent. I think I, again, I, we don't know with, with specificity um, or we don't know the specificity of the actual cause of the fall. Uh, not, not the cause of the fall, but the cause of the injuries. If there was a design defect or condition in the pit that was not properly either put together or if the foam was too shallow it was an engineering issue right then yeah a hundred percent you know and that that you know i think brings us into the next part of this uh, episode which we're going to talk about some of these other injuries that have occurred um one of them is and this one's pretty famous this happened in in uh, august of 2011 at the Indiana State Fair. All right. So there was a stage that had been uh, put up for a tour of of a bunch of bands and things like that, and there were were thousands of people watching, and then they started to get wind. Mm -hmm. All right, now remember earlier in one of the risks I said, you know, weather conditions, atmospheric conditions is a risk. You've got to be mindful of that. You've got to be aware of that. Well, the wind started to gust, and... Then it built up. So there was a thunderstorm that was approaching. Winds pick up, causes the stage to collapse, and yeah. it killed seven people and injured 58. And as a result, of course, there was a lawsuit. So here's a situation where, you know, you asked me about the waiver. These people signed a waiver. Yeah. And they go, and, and now, you know, people are dead and 58 people are injured. And it was determined um you know, in this lawsuit that the cause of this was improperly constructed um, pieces of the stage. So it wasn't secured properly. It didn't um, hold as much weight. It, it, It originally said that the total weight should have handled you know a, a certain amount and it was yeah. grossly inadequate didn't hold that mm-hmm. um and and there were a lot of structural issues with how they constructed the stage so 
you know, that's what led to the lawsuit. And when these people filed the lawsuit, it was settled for $50 million in damages. Now, yeah, I mean, I, I completely, you know, understand yeah. how that had happened. I mean, that, that's a situation where I, you signed a waiver, but because there are weather conditions, now what should right. have happened, right? Either A, it should have been constructed properly in the first place, um, but B, when, when they, you know, became aware or should have become aware of the weather conditions, they should have pulled the plug on this thing and said, all right, we're going to stop, right? Right, right. So that was, uh, that was that's pretty famous, that one. There's also this other one, uh, the Medusa Festival. This is another stage collapse that left one person dead and 40 other injured. This one just happened in August of 2022. Another one with weather conditions. So high winds caused part of a stage to collapse at the Medusa Festival, uh, Festival in Spain. And uh, same situation where improperly constructed and uh, unfortunately they didn't monitor the weather conditions. So if you're going to be an outdoor venue these are things you've got to consider. Now, that risk list that I gave you, th- those are things yeah. you've got to think about. Um, you want to talk about the one in Glenwood? Yeah, so this one's really unfortunate. Uh, there was an incident. There's a certain ride. Uh, um, it's the it's the Glenwood Haunted Mineshaft Drop Ride. Uh, that sounds scary. Yeah, it, it is scary. I saw a picture of it. And you're in a cave, and you're in a seat, and there's just this huge drop. And it, as you look down, it just goes darker and darker. Uh, terrifying. I'd never, never go on something like that. It's like the Tower of Terror in a cave. It is like the cave. Tower of Terror in a cave, yeah. But what's unfortunate about it is that a little girl died on the ride because she got on the ride, and a report said that she was sitting on her seatbelt. Uh, an alarm went off inside the ride operator's you know, booth. They didn't know what the alarm meant. So they turned it off and sent the ride on their way. She fell uh, over 100 feet down and she died and they sued. So, and, and, and I mean, in that case, right, that makes a lot of sense why they'd sue. You know, it seems like it was completely the ride operator's faults. Right. So, again, the risk factors, right, and we'll, we'll just we'll um, summarize them again before the episode is over. But, yeah, I mean, the operator didn't place the seatbelt over the, the girl as he was required. You ever been to disney yeah and they make you tug on the yellow tag yep. on the seatbelt yeah. right they they do that not only to protect you to protect themselves that's why they have the yellow tag to make it easier for the the ride operator to identify that the seatbelt is actually fastened as opposed to just held over your shoulder like so many mm-hmm. people try to do yeah um and i i'm not 100 percent certain but i believe that these once engaged you cannot disengage the restraint system so if you're on like test track, for example, once you click in and the ride starts, there's no way for you to unbuckle your seatbelt during the course of the ride. Is there? I don't think so. No. No. And it's the uh, same with roller coasters. It's, it's engaged. You can't get it undone until the ride's over. Yeah. This is a, a super unfortunate situation, you know. Um, I think that it's, I mean, it's, it's interesting because they, they, the alarm went off. Is that their fault or is that the uh, amusement park's fault for not properly teaching them, right? Well, it's like it's both, right? If, if you, you have to go back, you'd sue the amusement park, right? Mm-hmm. And the amusement park would say, no, we train these people adequately yeah. and we supervise them. And here's a guy that just didn't do what he was told, right? And, and then 
it's the ride operator's fault, but the ride operator is not going to get sued individually. The amusement park gets sued because in the United States, there's a doctrine called respondeat superior where if an employee in the course of his business is negligent, that negligence is transferred to you, the business owner. Mm -hmm. So if you make a mistake, yeah, you know, you've made the mistake, but the company is the one that they come after. So it's in a company's best interest to try to train their people properly because that helps them avoid liability. Yeah, yeah. and you know, as a result of this, the state of Colorado determined that passengers cannot be expected to know or correctly belt themselves into the ride. Uh, I assume this was a typo. Know how to correctly belt themselves yeah. into the ride. Uh, Glenwood Caverns is solely responsible for placing the seatbelts on each rider and confirming that each rider is properly restrained. So, I yeah. mean, that's completely what we're saying. And I think yep. that this is already showing um, at these last few, the the um, the stage that collapsed, this one. It's showing what will most likely end up happening with the TwitchCon foam pit if they decide yeah. to engage in litigation. Yeah, and I, I think they will because the injuries were significant. And, mm -hmm. You know, this yeah. is something that we've seen so much. I mean, we, we've talked about this before. Did you know that Splash Mountain at Disney World originally did not have seat guard seat uh, a lap restraint what yeah it that can't be true it, it is true and somebody that was cannot be true. somebody was injured and then they then put the restraints in so while you look that up to fact check me because i, I don't know believe that's that. what you're doing i do not believe i that. know what you're doing no way i'm going to talk about something from my youth that is the epitome of premises liability with temporary structures and amusement parks wait wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute they they didn't there was not lap bars on the splash mountain cars didn't i say that yeah no i'm seeing it here and you're but fact checking and who's right who's right you're right i'm you're right did you hear right. did you hear what he just said yeah no 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 okay fine look 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 you're right but what was there to protect yourself nothing it was just the force of the fall that would keep you in what the, the, the no way no yes, way yes yes and then somebody fell out, got injured, and that's why they put the lap bar restraints on Splash Mountain. That yeah, that's how it happened. Because that is so insane. Yeah. That is completely crazy. What year did that happen? Do you see the it, year? It says 2011. Right. So that means that I mean, I'm sure you went to Disney before 2011. Right? You said you'd gone there since you were little. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that you rode that ride with no Restraint. You know, as a matter of fact, I remember my, me personally. I remember riding that ride with no restraint. You just That's stepped insane. in. You sat in the thing. There's got to be like seatbelts. I, I there don't, were no seatbelts. I mean, belts. I'm a huge Disney fan. I would know this. Uh, you know, a lot of people are judging me right now, but if you that's go on, just so crazy. Most log flumes, Hershey Park, um, maybe Great Adventure, they don't have restraints in a log flume. You sit in it, and the force of going down the hill is what keeps you in place. Wow. Yeah. I did not I did not know that. Yeah. That's genuinely surprised me. I have surprised you. You've surprised me. Amazing. No, but seriously, man, that seems so stupid. Like I would not I would not be comfortable with that. But then of course they they went and they remedied it. So Right, right. You know. Um but the one I was going to go back to from my youth is is like it's the epitome of premises liability and absolute stupidity action park. I think we did an, an entire oh, gosh. podcast. Yeah, we on did Action an entire park. episode on Action Park. But if you ever want to see a, a business that just did not care yeah. about whether or not 
they were doing things correctly, whether or not they were going to get sued. If you talk about somebody that didn't do any safety checks and things, look, go look at Action Park. Yep. There's, uh, there's a specific documentary. Yes, I was just going to say yeah, that. Yeah, well, I cut you off. You did. So say it first. I, I recommend the documentary Class Action Park, 100%. That was fantastic. Yeah, it, it really was. so entertaining, you know? Yep. You know, they'll talk about things like there was this loop slide that you'd slide down and it would loop, and at yeah. the apex of the loop, people would get stuck and, and then get injured. So mm -hmm. just everything about that. If, if you find this topic even remotely interesting, check out that documentary. And, yeah. Uh, no, we didn't create it, and no, we don't get any benefit from saying that. It just happens to be a very interesting documentary and nostalgic, too, because you know, it's from, from when I was younger. I, I thought it was a great documentary. you know. So, But before we wrap up here, um, I just want to go over one more time, if we can, very quickly, the risk factors when you're dealing with these outdoor structures, because I think it's worth going through one more time if you are doing any kind of event and you know i want to go one step forward uh, for, uh further even if you're not a business if you while the legal standard is slightly different if you're going to be setting up a bouncy house some kind of of entertainment at a church at a backyard whatever it is you should at least be aware of these things too because whether you've got uh, immunity because you're a church or or you've got insurance as a homeowner, just be aware. So the main risks associated with temporary structures, again, are poor design and inadequate engineering, overloading or poor supervision, high winds or other adverse weather conditions, unsuitable ground conditions, crowd movement or behavior, and unintended use. So that's really the, uh, the risks that you've got to be aware of. And every case that we've talked about here today every injury that we've talked about here falls into one of those categories whether it was poor supervision on the part of the this the seatbelt, whether it was unstable stable grain uh, ground conditions and adverse weather conditions on the uh, the part of the uh, stages that collapse they all fall into these so mm -hmm. and then if you you know again we're speculating but on the twitch um incident it could be poor design and inadequate engineering yeah so I think this is very interesting. Absolutely. And yeah. the best part of this podcast was that I told you something that you didn't know. So I'm yeah. very excited about that. This is going to go down in my book as one of the best podcasts. Oh, yeah. It's the day I knew something that you didn't. You're I don't, speechless. I don't think, yeah, I'm speechless. <laughs> You've, You've rendered me speechless. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you tune in next time. Thanks for listening to Understanding the Law Radio. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. We're available anywhere that you listen to your podcasts, including Amazon, Apple Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more. Also, don't forget to check us out online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.